I know it's only been a minute. I said a few minutes. But you know, I was thinking here, maybe I, maybe I, um, I gave it to you incomplete. Because, you know, are you able just by sitting there to make this determination? By just thinking in your own mind? Some of you are just looking at me. I had one person doing this. How do you know what is right and wrong? I just put the question out to you, and then I sat down. Is that going to help you? Amen. So what was the answer he just gave? God's word. God's word. That's right. That I see a hand back there. I'll back there. Philip, would you have your hand up? What were you going to say? By reading the Bible. Hey, look. We have an agreement. You're right. You're right by reading the Bible. Now that is the easy write-up answer, right? Is it really that easy? That's a trick question. <laughs> Three scripture references. Well, the truth is, is yes, it is that easy. It is that easy. But it also is more complicated. You know why? Because there's a lot of other things going on. Lots of other things going on. Let me see here. We've got little Mr. Philip back there. Philip, you want to come on up here and help me? How old are you, Philip? Five. Are you learning to read? You're not learning to read. Hey, Nate, you need to start teaching this guy to read. Do you know what ABC is? You don't? <laughs> it's okay. You'll learn. So he just now said the word of God. Is he right? Yes or no? But poor Philip here doesn't know how to read yet. So how does he know what is right from wrong? Ah, Jesse? Ah, because his parents tell him. That's good. That's true. Do your parents tell you what's right and wrong? They do? That's good. You got one thing going for you. Mom and dad tell him what's right from wrong. Any other ways that Mr. Philip here can know what's right and wrong? Yes. The Spirit of God. Yes. So here we have, you said the Word of God, and also the Spirit of God. Is there anything else that can help Philip here understand between right and wrong? Yes. His conscience. Do you know what that is? Yep, I didn't expect you to. His conscience. Your conscience is something that God put, I think, in your spirit. There's something there as you being made in the image of God that's inside that tells you when you do things right or when you do things wrong. There's something that says that's right and that's wrong. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's the conscience. Have you ever, without anybody telling you something was right or wrong, just kind of known that it was wrong? Have you ever had that? Yeah. That's your conscience. 
So great, we've got three, well, really, what did we see? Four things here to help us learn what is right and wrong. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, your conscience. Anything else? So we have a command here of, oh my, that's an interesting one. That was kind of tied to your conscience, but it's tied to the Word of God, and it's tied to the Holy Spirit. Do you guys all see that? You don't. Not yet. But you see here what that is, is that you have your own conscience that knows what you would like to have be done to you. You have the Word of God that tells you what you would do for other people, and you have the Holy Spirit who's teaching you how to do things as well. So you've got the Word of God, you have the Holy Spirit, you have your conscience, and Jesse, didn't you say parents too? Oh yes, we have parents. Anything else? What else? Mr. Densmore. Observations. Yes, observations. Yes, you can. You can see right from wrong by watching other people. Mr. Rinks, you have the government. You're right, you have the government. Does the government make laws? Do you know any laws? You don't know any laws? Yep, well, there's lots of them out there. <laughs> and you all chuckle. Why do you chuckle? You aren't anarchists, are you? No, you don't chuckle at laws, but there are a lot of laws. But you chuckle because there are some silly laws, aren't there? And then there's laws that don't make any sense. Thank you, Philip. You can go back to your seat. I find it interesting of all these different things. Now, there were some different categories that we had, and some of those things fit into other parts. So let's, let's recap, and let's look at it from the perspective of a child growing up. What's the first thing the child has? In the image of God, he has a conscience. He has a conscience. And as that child grows up, he is being taught by mom and dad, by older brothers and sisters, by aunts and uncles, by friends, by other people, things of what is right and wrong. Uh-oh, there's a problem. Have you ever known people to get it wrong? Yep, I get it wrong. So we have a little bit of a problem. How about that conscience? I'd like to point out a verse to you that's really interesting regarding our conscience. Could you take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4? 1 Timothy chapter 4. We have a warning in 1 Timothy chapter 4 of things that will rise in the last days. The last days are any time after the time of Christ's resurrection and very specifically latter times of end time events. But it tells us here that the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed that's listening to and following um, to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy. And look at this last phrase. 
having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So, all of us begin life with a conscience, right? But as time goes by, that conscience we find out here can be seared. Now, what does that mean? I wonder here. Mikai, do you know what it means when something is seared with a hot iron? You don't? Let's see. I'm looking for another little person who might know. If you think you know, raise your hand. I want to see if a little person knows. How much a little person knows? You count as a little person. Seared. You want to try to shoot at it? What's seared? Go. Yes, there's a heat. And it's what done, you use what word? Severed. Okay. Well, think about, they talk about in grilling, about searing the steak. How many of you ever seared a steak? Yeah. You sear a steak. What it is is basically you get the grill hot, those irons in the grill hot, and then while they're hot, you take and you put the fresh meat right on it, and it sears it. It basically takes the outer side of it, and it, and it, and it, it scars it. It makes it hard. Now, why you do that for a steak is to make sure that none of the juices can get out. Now, think about it with your conscience. Now, with steak, that's awesome. Yes. You want to sear your steak because you want the juices to stay inside the steak while it cooks. That's the whole point of why you sear a steak. But that's not good for the conscience. If you sear your conscience, it makes it not tender. It makes it so that it loses feeling and it needs to feel. It needs to feel the Spirit of God, and it needs to have a feeling towards truth. But when it's seared, it's broken. It's a problem. See, your conscience is something that we talk about children having tender consciences. That's the point. They're tender and soft. They're receptive to what is right and good and pure and holy. So how does a conscience seared? Well, sometimes it's seared by plain old deception, seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. That's why we don't give any attention to the doctrine of devils, to seducing spirits. We reject it right up, straight up, because they will cause us trouble. Another way that a conscience is seared is by continually lying to it. You can sometimes see a child developing this, and I don't believe you're past hope in this because God can change, but I say child because it's easier to see in a child. Us grown-ups have ways of making it polished. But what is it? I know this is wrong, but I don't care. You see what's going on? There is a willful point-blank searing of the conscience. And if you do that over and over and over, you will get to the point, as Paul explained in Ephesians, where you will be past feeling. It, your conscience won't bother you anymore. You can, with a high hand, blatantly do wrong and not feel bad about it at all. 
I've had that happen in my life in a few cases. You know what? It's not good. I need that seared conscience to be tenderized. I need a renewing of my mind. I need to be fixed. So, your conscience is a very precious thing you have received as one who is created in the image of God. But do not allow your conscience to be seared by lies and by deception, especially those lies and deceptions coming from yourself. When your conscience says, this is wrong, listen, because if you ignore it, that's the first step towards a seared conscience where you come to a point of being past feeling where you can do wrong, even the worst and horriblest of things, and not feel bad about it. Another description of this, another description of this is speaking of those um, who have their conscience seared being past feeling and this, this, this deceitfulness of sin. So often sin tells us this is pleasurable. And there is sometimes a pleasure for a season, but it's a false pleasure. And when we allow ourselves to enjoy that false pleasure and continue on in it, it will sear our conscience. So we have the conscience. Do you know there's a scripture that talks a little bit about our conscience or describes it? way back in the book of Judges. What is famous about the book of Judges as a summary statement? Anybody remember one of the famous parts? There's a few famous parts of Judges, but what's one of the key famous parts? Mr. Densmore? That's right. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's in chapter 21 and verse 25 of the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So you see here, here you have the conscience, right? And the conscience does what is right in his own eyes. Now, this is oftentimes pointed to in the book of Judges as the key verse of the book of Judges. But really, it's not. There's another theme all through the book of Judges. This statement is only made once in the book of Judges, but you know there's another statement that's made over and over and over and over and over and over again in the book of Judges. It's very similar. And they did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> the book of Judges teaches us things about our conscience, about government, for it says there was no king in the land in those days. It's one reason why they did that which was right in their own eyes and the importance of what God has said. So we have it all together. I think there's three things that help us to understand what is right and wrong. First is our conscience. But beware, a conscience can be seared. A conscience can be deceived. A conscience can be led astray. The second thing that teaches us right from wrong is society, including our parents, our friends, law, and government. Now, again, all of these are good, right? Is there anything wrong with parents? Nope. 
In fact, parents are supposed to be teaching right from wrong. But parents can be wrong. I didn't hear his joke. But parents can be wrong. Government is good. Government is good. Law is good. But governments can be wrong. And laws can be bad. But do you see how they can teach us truth? Friends, oh my, this is perhaps one of the biggest influencers of what's right and wrong as you begin to grow up. Your friends tell you what's right and wrong. And sometimes they don't even just tell you it. They just lead you into it. This is why it's so important that you have good friends and beware of those friends who will lead you in the wrong direction. But yet, do you see here how friends can be good? Scripture speak of ironing, sharpening iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. He develops who you are as a person, your understanding of life, how you discern between what is right and what is wrong. But do you see how all of these could be going in the right direction or could be going in the wrong direction? Moms and dads, do you teach your children right from wrong? Do you know that in some countries, it's illegal to teach your children right from wrong? Some countries, it's illegal to bring your children to church. It's considered a crime. Now, it's kind of weird as somebody's still teaching them right from wrong. And so who is it? We have freedoms in America. Do we use them? Are we teaching our, children's, our children right from wrong. Kids of all ages, why do you believe what is right is right and why do you believe what is wrong is wrong? Because here's where it all settles down. You have your conscience. You have society. What mom and dad say, what the government says, what your friends say, what you say, oh, what devils say. We could put them all around. But in the end, you, by yourself, how do you discern what is right and what is wrong? God. God is the one who reveals what is right and what is wrong. And he does it a few different ways. The first is through his word, the Bible. God's word reveals to us what is right and what is wrong. And he does it also through his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit works with our spirit in conjunction, I think, also with our conscience in helping us to discern what is right and what is wrong especially in those categories that are relative. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about this idea, all truth is relative. It's truth is one thing to one person, another thing to another person. No. Truth is truth. But what are things that are relative? I'm just going to throw out a weird extreme example. Belching. How many of you think that's wrong? None of you? My, what a rude group of Americans. <laughs> Belching. I, 
I can't even do it. Loud, loud belching. It's rude. May I say it's wrong. But why? Do you know that in some parts of the world, to belch is a nice way of saying, thank you, that was good. Somebody gives you food. If you don't belch, it's rude. But when you do belch, it's saying to the person, this was delicious food. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything about belching or not belching. But it does talk about loving. And here is where both an understanding of your society and culture and a sensitive conscience and spirit to the Holy Spirit leads you in this way. For you to know, for me to belch at this table or in any context is just rude. And just so you know, in most parts of the world, the majority of the world, it's rude. And thereby, if you're going to love, you won't belch. It's just rude. Do you see it? There's where you need both the scriptures to teach you to love, to do unto others as you would have others do unto you, and then the Holy Spirit in that moment to do or not do something. It goes into other categories of times. I would say that the biggest question that we have as people we get so caught up on what is right and what is wrong. And you know what our emphasis oftentimes is? On that balance of what is right and wrong? Wrong over here, right over here. See, I switched it. This is my right side. And this, well, yeah, you know. Wrong over here, right over here. So often we focus on what is wrong. And we forget to focus on what is right. We have to have both. Especially, we have to have what is right. Let me give you a scripture. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We look at all of those sins of things that you do that you shouldn't do, and we overlook the sins that we commit by not doing what we know we should do. And can I tell you, this side here needs not just the scriptures of commands, but needs the Holy Spirit's leading leading in the application of love. So you have your conscience, but beware of your conscience. It can lead you astray, for it can be deceived, it can be seared. You have society, you have moms and dads and the government and, and friends. They can teach you truth, but in the end, does it all come back to what's God think? Is it right or is it wrong? according to his word and the leading of his Holy Spirit. One more note on the Holy Spirit. Notice here in 1 Timothy where we're at, speaking of the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Sometimes the devil likes to appear as an angel of light and lead you astray, which is why the Holy Spirit works through his word. Because if there is a spirit telling you something that is contrary to the spirit, Ding, 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 ding. It's a devil. Seducing spirits. Beware. Cut it off. So we come back to this. Let's look here at another scripture. Can you turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3? We have some wonderful counsel given to us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 about how to know what is right and what is wrong.
The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a young man. And he says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now we read that famous verse. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God is very important. We're going to approach this backwards. Look here in verse 17. The Word of God is something that takes the man of God and makes him complete, perfect, mature. See how that child has to grow? So also our understanding, our person as the man of God grows and furnished, equipped to all good works. The Word of God should change us in a way that it results in good works. And it teaches us what's right. Do you see those words there of what the Word of God is profitable for? It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What are those things? You may remember Brother Smith shared with us some time ago, and he learned it from a teacher who taught it to him, and it probably came from another teacher from him. What are these things? Well, doctrine is teaching us what is right. Reproof tells us when we are not right or when we are wrong. Correction tells us how to get right. And instruction in righteousness tells us how to stay or continue in what is right. You see, it all has to do with what is right and what is wrong. Righteousness, what is right. Doctrine, the Word of God teaches us what is right. Reproof, it, the Word of God teaches us, shows us when we are wrong. What is not right. Correction, the Word of God shows us how to get right, how to change, how to change direction. Correction, in what it, we're going the wrong way and to be corrected to go to the right way. And instruction and righteousness is a continued way of how we live. Show us how to stay right, how to continue in righteousness. And this all comes from what? The Word of God, the Holy Scriptures. And why are the Holy Scriptures so profitable in this? Because the Holy Scriptures are inspired by God. It's God breathed them. The Holy Scriptures are from God. And now let's back up and look at those two verses before. Paul is instructing Timothy. And in instructing Timothy, he says, Timothy, it's now on you. You've got the choice, Timothy. Your mom and your grandmother, we met them earlier in the book, they taught you the Bible. They taught you what was right and what was wrong from the Scriptures. What are you going to do with it? 
So put your name in there. O Timothy, O Micaiah, O Owen, O Ray, what will you, no matter how young or old you are, what will you, I wasn't applying anything there, what will you do with what you have learned of the scriptures? Will you continue in them? Will you cast them off? But continue in the things which thou hast learned. Have you learned them? Hast been assured of? Are you assured of the truth? Oh, and of whom thou hast learned them. This one's interesting. Because sometimes we trip up on this one. You know why? Because moms and dads are the primary teachers in our lives. And we ain't perfect. And we get it wrong a lot more often than we're sometimes willing to admit. And we get it off wrong a lot more often than we even realize In this case here, Timothy is given as an example of a mother and a grandmother who did dearly love the Lord and are set forth as an example. Nothing is spoken bad of them, but I'm sure they tripped up too, for all have sinned. But may I say, regardless of of who you have learned truth from, truth is truth. And if you've got moms and dads and teachers who love God and consistently walk in God, praise God. But if you don't, still continue in the truth, regardless of the mouthpiece. So often we throw off truth and all of this that we've learned and we've been assured of because we struggle with the inconsistencies of the one who taught us. Be careful. Well, when there are consistencies in goods, let's rejoice in those, and let's focus on those. But I'm going to give you a little warning as you're growing up, and some of you are probably already there. You're maybe noticing more and more of the problems in your teachers, in your moms and dads. Be careful how the teacher lives can cause a lot of trouble, acknowledged. And nobody is justified or excused for being wrong. Nobody. Not the preacher, not mom, not dad, not brother, not sister, not friends. Nobody gets justified or excused because they're wrong. Wrong is wrong. But let us not use wrong to discard, the the wrong life to discard what is true. We continue in what is true. So each of us, as you're growing older, you have a conscience. Beware that your conscience is not seared, that you don't be hardened, that you not go to be past feeling, but that your conscience continue tender in communion with the Spirit of God. May your conscience be tender. May your mind be renewed as you present yourself to God day by day. Give yourself to Him and immerse and saturate yourself 
in His Word. Your conscience is important. Your society is important. Your mom and dad, the laws and the government, your friends, right and wrong friends, they will influence you. Be careful who your friends are. Be careful what you just take. Bring it all back to the Scriptures. So now I've talked to all the kids. How about moms and dads? We have a sacred duty here. Do you see it? Do you see it? Are we like Lois and Eunice, Timothy's mother and grandmother? Notice the dad's not mentioned here. Dad was a Greek and implied not a believer. And never mentioned. Perhaps he died. He's just never mentioned. Timothy was led by this grandma and this mom, either in a broken home, a widowed home. We don't know what. Not necessarily ideal home. But do you see, mom and grandma were faithful. They continued to teach their son and grandson to assure him of what was true. But look at verse 11 as to what else they did. It wasn't just them teaching them their own opinions or philosophies. From a child, Timothy was taught the holy scriptures. The holy scriptures. This laid the foundation so that when Jesus Christ was preached to Timothy, he was ready to receive the salvation through Jesus Christ. And now Paul is telling him it continues on through all of life. So we as moms and dads, let's be teaching the Word of God. Now, I'm going to give you another very, very practical application of this that you have to be careful of. When they're this big, sometimes it's just stating the simple truths and just simply stating them. But as they grow up, there needs to be more of why. Where you are using as mom and dad these scriptures as the doctrine, as the reproof, as the correction, the instruction. Using it in that way with that child as that child grows. Because if Paul were to write to your child, would he say, just do the things mom and dad say? What would those things be? What authority would that carry? In the big picture of things, moms and dads can be wrong. Governments can be wrong. Friends can be wrong. But God in his word can't be wrong. One time somebody shared with me that, you know, we have lots of good conversations. Always opening your Bible and showing it from the Bible, that's not needed. You just need to speak the truth. I, I, I trip over that. It hurts. Because here is where the authority comes. The authority is here. I agree with that you speak the truth, and especially when they're down little like this. But so often when we start to be challenged with variant ideas, I speak for myself, being confronted with vain philosophies of the world, 
being confronted with false doctrine, being confronted with the seducing spirits, being confronted by our own conscience, being led astray. What is our stabilizing? How do we stabilize in it? It's not just remembering conversations we had. That's important. But based upon the Word of God. Now let me let you in on another little problem. There are people who twist the Word of God. And I believe one of the reasons why sometimes people are reluctant to say, now let's open the Bible and look and see what the Bible says is because you know who some of the most popular people are who do that? The cults. And they start pointing at things out of context and they twist it and they misapply it and they falsely use it. And so it causes us sometimes to just... And so we get this idea now where, well, that's just your interpretation. What do you do with that? Be very careful of using that phrase, that's just your interpretation, and dismissing what you've been taught. We have a responsibility to learn how to use the Holy Scriptures to identify when it is being misapplied and misused. And I beg you, just because people take it and use it as ammunition or use it wrongly or falsely, don't you stop using it correctly. We have got to use it correctly. The very answer to those who are using it wrong is to use it correct. To use it correct. I recently have been exposed to something that's a wild idea regarding view of Scripture that I've never considered before. And you know what? The only way I can actually deal with it is to come right back to Scripture and say, what is it actually really saying? And it's very important to do that. But I'll warn you, there's a movement out there right now that, asks that makes that same point and says, now what is it really saying? And the question is not for truth, but it's to twist the truth. There are movements out there who talk about hermeneutical principles. You know what those are? How to study the Bible. And they'll take hermeneutical principles, which are the fact that we need to approach this and understand certain things and have certain kind of rules of how we understand and interpret the Scripture. And they'll take those good rules and they'll turn them on their head and apply them wrong. And the exact opposite of what they're saying. We must beware of that and be very, very careful. But it all does come back to the authority that is here. Conscience is good, especially good when it's in harmony with the Spirit of God. Society can be good, for good laws and good government are very important. Moms and dads with good counsel are very important. Friends that are good advisors are very important. But beware, there are false friends. There are even lying parents. And there are terrible governments and terrible laws. All of it then has to come back to what does God say? One last passage to help us if you turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 5. Do you know one of the dangers of growing up in a Christian home? Some of you are thinking, if you're thinking, danger of growing up in a Christian home? Yeah, danger of growing up in a Christian home. 
Brother Dietrich last week is sharing his testimony, talked about some of those things that can be growing up in a Christian home that you have to be aware of. One of the dangers of growing up in a Christian home is that you hear the Word of God so often that you then become dull to it. That's kind of like your conscience seared. You become dull to it. This is a problem. And the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 5, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. These Hebrews were people who had been exposed to the Word of God their whole lives, even been presented and confronted with the truth of Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews recognized that this crowd's a hard one because they're dull of hearing. He goes on and continues. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, he's saying you all grew up like this. You ought to be the teachers. You ought to be so excited knowing the word of God. You ought to be teachers. Instead, oh yeah, I know it. When really, you know it so well, you ought to be teachers. But ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles, the sayings of God, and it become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. He's saying, you have all of this, but you become so dull in hearing. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, I know it. Now, I don't know that any of you ever would say that, partly because you know you ought not say it. You know it. But does it change you and are you dull of hearing? You need meat. Milk is good. In fact, we're always to desire milk as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Always be desiring the word of God as if it were that baby who was longing to nurse every three hours. Desire the sincere milk of the word. But you go beyond milk. You need strong meat. Look at verse 13, Hebrews 5, 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. We make jokes about teenagers who act like babies, and we say, grow up. That's the uh, modern equivalent of what Paul's saying here. Grow up. Grow up. You're not just a baby. You need the meat. You're unskillful in the word of righteousness, but you shouldn't be. For strong meat, verse 14, belongeth to them that are of a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So often we trip up in discerning good and evil because we're dull of hearing. Don't be dull of hearing. Don't be dull of hearing. Again, one of the dangers of growing up, hearing it all your life. Remember the caution given to Timothy by Paul, continue thou in those things that thou hast learned. Continue in them. Grow up and be skillful. Discerning good and evil. We need God's word and his Holy Spirit to be teaching us.
And so, the question at the beginning, what are the principles? How do we discern between good and evil? Between what is right and what is wrong? Yes, our conscience, but beware that it be not seared and it be in harmony with the Spirit of God. Yes, our society. Moms and dads, teach your children truth and teach them why it's true. And just because mom and dad live in consistent lives, don't throw out the truth. Continue in the truth. Same thing's true for government. Same thing's true for friends. Same thing's true for all of society. Continue in the truth. Continue in the things that you have learned from the Holy Scriptures and stay true, walking in the Spirit of God. Yes, Brother Ray. Yes, sir. Did you hear that verse? In all your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. It comes back to what God has said. By the way, don't you dare twist it. (laughs) Don't you dare twist it. Paul's teachers are some of those most strongly condemned in the scriptures. We must not twist the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving it to us. May we walk in truth your truth. May we continue in those things that are true, that we have learned, regardless of who we've learned them from. But we thank you for those who have taught us who continue in them themselves. May we as moms and dads be faithful in teaching, and may we also be faithful in humbly confessing our faults, that we might be consistent and faithful and true and humbly walk in the talk. And Lord Jesus, be with each of the children here of all ages, that all of us would not be babes, but would grow, that we would not be dull of hearing, but that we would be those who by reason of the use of your word and exercise of using your word might go forth speaking truth. We commit ourselves to you now. We pray these things in your name. Amen.